What do you think attracts you to to women, to girls, especially when you're younger? I don't know. I just like everything. Hair, face, booze, breasts, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it was just everything about them. The way they walk, the attitude. Oh, especially when they're like a little bit of drama. I like that. <laughs> I feel like no one likes the drama, but thank you for saying that. Sandy Jackman is just as I imagined she'd be from watching her TikToks. She goes by Suga1990 on there, and at the time I'm recording this, has more than 225,000 followers. Almost all of them admirers. I just want to say thank you guys for all the lovely comments that you guys leave. You guys cheer me up. Just seeing it, you know? She's always receiving comments about how beautiful and fit she is. Flirty ones from women who are crushing on her, but also comments from followers who are inspired by Sandy's confidence. Because Sandy doesn't really look like everyone else. She has third-degree burn scars on the left side of her arms, legs, and her face. They asked me, how are you so fit? And your scars, like, even in the gym, people are like, you got, I don't know where you've been to, but you're in here working out, like, nothing is wrong with you. Like, what's up? Like, how you keep going? So knowing that people question and they don't know how, and I can't even really explain how, it just makes me keep doing what I love. So I never like let anything like stop me from doing it. This is How I Fuck, and I'm your host, Natalie Rivera. Sandy, who you met earlier, has received a lot of comments from people in awe of her strength. People, especially those who know her story, are impressed with her and the fact that she moves through life unapologetically. You see, Sandy was attacked with acid when she was 22. Acid attacks involve the throwing of acid on a person, usually on their face, causing permanent disfigurement, trauma, pain, and in some cases, death. They've grown in popularity around the world the last couple of decades, especially in South Asia, the UK, and Colombia. Sandy is from the South American country of Guyana, where this attack happened. It's very small over there, so I I was pretty well known back there. I never really had much people disrespected me. Growing up, did you ever see anyone gay in your town, like openly gay? Mostly gay guys. You see a lot of gay guys, but not really much of girls. A lot of a lot of people are very um, I don't know, like people are scared to be who they are in the Caribbean because it it's not acceptable there. So it's hard for a lot of people to just come out. You know, they have to be really brave to come out because people can hurt them. Sandy's mother passed away when she was around seven, and her father died when she was in high school. Her aunt stepped up and became a mother figure for her, so much so that Sandy refers to her as mom. Her extended family and her town were instrumental in her life. Even though Sandy's town wasn't accepting of gay men there, Sandy was never afraid to be herself. She was at home and she acted as such. At around eight, she started having feelings for girls. When I was young, like it was just, you know, ideas and feelings and mind wandering. But then like when I become like 16 years old, I started talking to girls and then I met my first girlfriend and we started talking from there. And then we had sex a few times. Sandy's girlfriend was 27 at the time and had been with women before. This didn't intimidate Sandy, who got kind of a glowing review for her first time. She said my experience was like an older person, like a 50-year-old person. I was like, what's that supposed to mean? She said, just something good. Then she's like, you sure you never sleep with no other girl? I was like, no. 
Sandy was also sleeping with men back then, so she assumed that this meant she was bisexual, even though her relationships with men were never her priority. I wasn't really interested in them much. Like some girls, they would crave for it, they would want it. I wasn't like that. But like with girls, it's like if a, if a girl wants to have sex with me every day, I would do that. But with a guy, no. And then I find myself, I'm too dominant to be with a guy. Even though Sandy was having sex, she never watched porn or masturbated when she was younger. The town was very Christian, and the people there would joke about sex, but there weren't any real serious conversations around it. At least to her, there wasn't. Still, Sandy lived life rebelliously, and her town respected her for it. I wasn't afraid of nothing. <laughs> to be honest, I never really got myself in trouble there, like being gay. I got, I got a lot of love on, on the streets from a lot of guys and girls. Some of them, they might come at me really wrong. But then, like, we turned out to be good friends, maybe just high, you know. I never really had much people disrespected me. But some of my friends, I've seen they get beat up and all type of things. I wasn't really involved in those things. So I wasn't afraid. When Sandy was 16, she gave birth to her son. She didn't tell me too much about her son's father, just that she was a single mother. It was around this time that one of her dad's friends started pursuing her. Let's just call this man Daniel. Daniel was married, and he would send Sandy gifts for her son, trying to convince her to date him. At first, Sandy rejected his advances, but ultimately she did start seeing him. The relationship lasted for about five years and was unhealthy, to say the least. He has, like, I want to say, like, an anger issue. If, if, he, if he asks you to do something for him and you said no, like, he would just draw a scene. He don't care where you are. He would argue about it. So, like, there's many times, like, I would fight with him. He would, like, disrespect me in front of my friends then, like, cuss me out, talk shit. During that time, I was just, like, figuring out myself. As I keep growing, I just keep knowing what I like more. And because I was seeing women, I just realized that, you know, hey, you, you just like girls more, like, just get it over and done with it. So I started avoiding him. She started dating a woman shortly after cutting him off, a woman she was crazy about. She moved in with her, and it was that relationship that solidified that, yes, Sandy was a lesbian. She loved women and could only see herself being in a relationship with one. She was living as her true self, something everyone seemed to accept. Everyone except Daniel. I think he's like that type of person, if I can't have you, nobody else can. In 2013, when Sandy was 20, she received a call from Daniel asking if he could speak with her. She agreed to meet with him after she worked out at the gym, something that Sandy still does religiously. After her workout that day, she stepped outside of the gym and walked a few blocks to meet him. She called Daniel, letting him know that she was at the spot. Her friend, who went to work out with her that day, was with her. He hanged up the phone, and I was sitting on the corner just waiting there. When, while I was getting there, I see two guys, but I didn't really pay attention to them because it was so dark, and they looked like when they were fixing something. But I, I, I thought like they were fixing the bicycle or something, but I, they were mixing the acid with some oil. Sandy had run into her aunt along the way, the one she calls mom, and so her aunt was on the same street, outside of her home. Waiting, the guy called me. He's like, where are you? I was like, right here. You tell me to meet you here. I'm waiting so long. Where are you now? And then as soon as I sat down and I turned my body to the, like, face on the opposite side, they just attacked me. I just know two guys do something on me. I just know, like, 
because one of them, they run the other side and one of them right away. And then I started screaming for my auntie. I called her mommy. So I was like, mommy, mommy. So I ran towards her. While I got to her, like, my skin is already like, it's like turning white kind of and start burning. And my eyes, like, it's burning. Her aunt and some women close by immediately led Sandy to a nearby salon. They tell me going to the salon that they pour some water on me. But the girl in the salon, she was so shocked. She she was just there shaking. So I just like lay in the street and just roll up trying to feel cold because I was so hot. I was like on fire. And then uh, we got in the taxi and they took me to the hospital. By the time I was going to the hospital, I was taking off my clothes because I was so hot. They had Sandy jump in the shower as soon as she got to the hospital, letting the water run for a while so she can cool down. There wasn't the doctor to see my eyes. All they were doing is just like opening it and squeezing the fluid inside to clean it out. But there wasn't no doctor to really like take care of it. So I, so I lose the sight. Daniel showed up at the hospital the following day, crying. How could someone do this to you? He asked Sandy between sobs. Sandy and her friends became suspicious. It was clear to them that something was up. Daniel had a history of doing a lot of dirty work, of harming people. Sandy herself had experienced verbal abuse when they were together. It occurred to them that this might be the person who did this to her, that Daniel had paid those two men to throw the asset on her. They, they just moved me to a unit, the burn unit. And this burn unit is, is like a room they keep you. It's really like sanitized for you because it's like burn people, they need not to be in open environment where it's easy because rooms are open, right? So they put us in a nice room and keep us there. And he came and he told the nurse, he's my dad. He want to see me. My eyes were closed. And they're like, Sandy, your dad is here. I was like, my dad. I was like, he died. And they're like, no, he's here. I was like, both my parents died years now. And they're like, look, you're going to see. So when I when I opened my eye, they pushed the door. And he's like, hey, how are you? I was like, I'm, I'm tired. So when he left, I told the nurse, I said, I don't want to see that guy. He's the person that did this to me. And then, like, from since that day, I never seen him back. Sandy's injuries resulted in third-degree burns. The acid got on most of her left side, including her face, neck, arm, leg, and even her chest. Some of it also got on her right arm. Her left eye was also damaged, so she had to replace it with a fake. Sandy's girlfriend and one of her friends stood by her side, taking care of her when she came home from the hospital. When I got burned, it was really hard for me to date somebody. It was really, really hard. You know, like, my whole look has changed. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like, I couldn't even look at myself, too. Because it was hard seeing that, you know, how my skin and everything turns out. So for her to take care of me, it was really hard for looking at her doing those things. So it started bothering me, you know, the way I look. So I, I would tell her things like, I think you should go find a nicer girlfriend. She's like, I don't care. And I was like, you know, people only say that because, you know, they want you to feel okay. And then one day they just drop it on you. I can't be with you, know, because you look like this. You know, sometimes they're, they're, they're weird and there's mean people, you know. So I was just pushing her away from me because of how I look. But she never, she never, she never took it. You know, she stayed around. She still helped me out. She still take care of me. She still showed me love. And she, you know, she cared. Still, it was traumatic. Sandy, who was always going to the gym, who was always the life of the party, was now bedridden. 
She was always the independent one in her family, and now everyone was taking care of her. Oh, it was challenging. Like, not able to brush my teeth or just hold a cup of tea in my arms and just enjoy it. Back then, it was like, oh, is it ever going to be over? You know, like at one point, I even told my auntie, I was like, I wish I wasn't here. I wish like I was just dead because it was like too much pain and being like helpless. Like I can't do nothing at all. I just have to lay there. It's pretty annoying. You can even leave me at home by myself. You have to, there was always somebody babysitting me. The youngest kid I had babysitting me was seven years old. And that was my baby cousin that I grew up with. He ended up taking care of me some days, like watching me, feeding me. You know, and he, he he did it. And he he shows me a lot of love and stuff. So there was a little bit of hope, even though, like, you know, I didn't want to be here anymore. A couple months into her recovery, Sandy's girlfriend suggested that they try to have sex. Sandy obviously couldn't do much sexually, so her girlfriend offered to do all the work. It's like I couldn't do nothing. It's just like, I just have to lie down. And it was it was a bit hard because it's like literally I can't do nothing, nothing. So it was a bit annoying. It was frustrating. Did that affect your sensations at all? No, no. Because it's not nothing happened to my Laura. It's just like the only thing is my thighs were skin grafts. So like it's hard with, with my legs because, you know, like it's tight. You can't really move as much. It's just me laying there doing nothing really. While Sandy could feel it, the sex wasn't pleasurable for her. It would be painful. And like knowing that you can't really move it freely, yeah, it does hurt. It's, it's not fun. It's not exciting. It's like, what are, why are we even doing it? I can't even do nothing because I'm in pain. So I just like stop. Because it, it's not like, it's not like before, you know? It's like, it's like, damn, everything got taken away. I can't do nothing now. What should I do? This was the only time the two tried to do anything sexually, but it was enough to send her into a panic. Was this going to be her life from now on? So, you know, the mind just start traveling. Is it going to, am I going to always be like this? Is this going to always be, you know, I didn't know that I would get better and, and everything would be okay. Because, you know, back home, there's not, not much of hopes. You know, they didn't give no hopes like, oh, you'll be out of this. Everything's going to be okay one day. No, you wasn't hearing that. It's like, oh, it's not getting better. It's not this. So like, you know, it's like questioning myself. Is this going to be happening for a long time? It became more obvious to Sandy that the medical care in Guyana wasn't sufficient enough for her. She needed physical therapy, which wasn't available at their hospital at the time. Also, she and her loved ones worried that she would wound up getting an infection, that her injuries would worsen. They decided that the best thing for her health would be for her to move to another country, where Sandy's needs could be met. They decided on Canada, where one of Sandy's aunts lives. Together, they helped arrange her move there. It was like starting all over for her. I was admitted my second day here. And then I spent like one month in the hospital, I think. They said I was really infected, so they had to like, you know, like put me on pills, get me all cleaned up and stuff. And then they just rushed me into surgery, I think the second or the third day, and just work on my arms because my arms were really bad. She started physical therapy shortly after that. The nurse come in every morning to do the therapy with me so that all of that started helping the hands. 
to like not be stiff. So the Thai breeze like helped my my arms and it helps you build build up the strength and everything. So as the time started going and the strength started coming back. One day, her physical therapist asked Sandy whether she would like to visit the gym in the building. She said, of course. Working out was a huge part of her life and she couldn't wait to jump back into that routine again. Before I started the gym, I didn't have an eye as yet. It was just a socket. So like, I wanted to go so bad, but I didn't know, like, you know, I'm, I'm shy. I never went back to the gym. So what I did, I started getting, I got the dark shades and my hair was pretty longer then. So I used to let my hair down, curl it and leave it down. So it helps me like hide my face more. And then I started going to the gym every day and I started doing my own workout. I started liking it. I started going with friends. And then, like, I start, you know, keep going every day. Then the people in the gym, you know, they start talking to me. They tell me, like, I think you're cute. And then I, like, I caught them just, like, sneaking, watching me. It's like, oh, my God, they're watching me. I'm, you know, I'm, like, I start getting shy. And then everybody just, like, start talking to me. And then they make me feel like it's cool. It's okay to be yourself. I was like, you know, I need to relax. I need to just give it a try. And then I would, you know, see how people would react. And because people was like, oh, you're so cute. You're so fit. Oh, my God. I was like, okay. They think it's cool. <laughs> you know, so I started, you know, to keep going. And then every day I look in the mirror. I was like, yo, you got to go get this workout. Like, don't worry what nobody say. Don't think of nobody. Just go on the gym. Do what you got to do and get out. Sandy's new friends started taking her out to gay clubs. She had recovered a lot at this point, but wasn't going out as much as she used to before the incident. They went out to a club on Halloween night, and Sandy met a woman who asked her for her number. We started texting, and I was like, you know, I, I didn't have on a, cast, a costume last night. You know, that's me. She's like, I don't care. She said, I notice. I know. I can see. I can tell. Like, it's, it's like real something happened to you. She's like, I don't care. I was like, no, you don't. She's like, no. And then she asked me what happened, and I told her. She's like, I think you're still cute. I think you're hot. And then, like, we hanged out. And I was a bit shy. I was so shy. But then she, like, she started playing with my scars, started touching my face. She's like, it's okay. I know, like, I think you're cute. So, like, because of the way how she treated me, it just makes me feel a little bit confident with myself. Sandy started dating more regularly after that. Like in Guyana, Sandy had no trouble meeting women who thought she was cute. I met somebody when I came out of the hospital. And every time after therapy, I would go see them. With that person, kissing was difficult. <laughs> because, like, the scar is very tight in the face. But, like, even trying was good because I was, I was stretching the, the scars and the tissues. Like, even, like, trying to kiss somebody is, like, you're stretching it, you're keeping it active. And that person, she used to massage me. I like massage. So she would help me with the massage and, you know, like rubbing the scars and stuff. The first couple of times Sandy tried to go down on a woman was understandably challenging, given the injuries she had on her neck. After, yeah, being like so pulled up and so tight, you can't really move as you like. So everything is really tight. I used to get really bad headaches. Like if I was to like eat somebody out too, like my head would hurt me because of so much tightness. It's so tight in the neck. So there's not much of a movement. There's nothing I could do. And even my arms is like still, it's a bit tight. Or sometimes they get numb because there's no circulation really going through. So it was a bit, it was, it was a bit difficult and challenging. <laughs> 
But I think like doing that physio for that one year, it 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 kind of helped a little bit. You mentioned their hands would clamp up a lot. What about when you were fingering women? Uh, was that painful for you? Um, finger, my hands would get weak. They get weak and then you get that, you know, sometimes your hands give that tingling feeling inside. So yeah, so sometimes that would happen. So when it happens, like I have to stop. And, then, and what I do, I like to squeeze my forearms to get the circulation and keep it down. So that, that used to happen a lot. Sometimes it still does happen. So what I do, like I try to, I keep massaging myself as, as often as I can, even like before bed, just to keep this circulation. And if I was to see somebody like, it does happen. So I have to like relax my arms for a minute. So every time that we stop, I would just like try to get back the circulation. Like the physical therapy and the gym, sex got easier with practice. Her sexual partners would offer massages or would check in to make sure the sex wasn't painful for her. Have you ever been in a situation where someone accidentally hurt you during sex? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I think I think I had one time someone, the hand accidentally hit me in the eye. And I was like, oh, shoot, you hit me in the eye. And they're like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, think, I think they felt really bad. And then I was like, it's okay. I'm good now. Look, you see, but my left eye, it's so sensitive. Like if you, if I really get hit easy, it tears a lot. So like, you know, it makes you look like I'm crying. It's like, no, I'm okay. I promise I'm okay. You know, I think that was the only thing. Or maybe someone pressed too, and also like put too many pressure on my arms. You know, because it was really sensitive at the beginning. And then they were like, oh my God, I hurt you. I feel bad now. I think Canadians, they're still loving and they kind. Like if you, if they barely touch you, they're like, oh my God, I'm very, <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're so sad. In 2020, Sandy joined TikTok. Like most of us, she needed a distraction from the pandemic. The gyms were closed back then, something that was especially hard for her. She started uploading videos of herself using hashtags like hashtag burn survivor and hashtag stud lesbian. That's where I get more love. And I've realized that, hey, a lot of people look up to me. I'm inspiring people. So like hearing that they ask me, how are you so fit? And your scars, like even in the gym, people are like, you got, I don't know where you've been to, but you're in here working out like nothing is wrong with you. Like, what's up? Like, how you keep going? So knowing that people question and they don't know how, and I can't even really explain how, it just makes me keep doing what I love. So I never like let anything like stop me from doing it. So it's a combination of you working out and you and your scars, right? That seems to inspire people. Yeah, because because a lot of people they're they're not able to still do the things they used to do. You know, when I, when I move in, my hands are like really bent you know so coming here and getting it all straightened out back and working back home there was no hopes but when I moved here there was like yeah you can you can go to the gym you can ride your bike you can like here that you can still do everything it just makes me like yeah you got to get up and do this thing because not a lot of people is okay to still do the things they used to you know it's sometimes it's difficult or sometimes you just can't do it so the, the fact that I can still do it, I have to take advantage of it, you know? So I think a lot of people love that. Her followers also love seeing her being flirty, opening up about her dating experiences, her lesbian identity. 
Being the person she always was in Guyana, the person she refused to change because of a NASID attack. The person who did it, he's already stupid. <laughs> they even think that's okay to, to even do that to somebody. Like, who thinks like that? I, I can't think like that. It seemed like he was trying to break you down, and he didn't do that. He he didn't accomplish that. Yeah, that's what every The amount of people I met, they're like, he tried to take your beauty, he didn't take it. He didn't win. One time I was in the subway, coming home, going somewhere, like, and I had a lady from a good way just watching at me. I was like, oh my God, why is she watching me? She came and she said, can I ask you something? I said, yes. She said, did someone do this to you? I was like, yeah. She's like, so she started praying for me. She said, God bless her. Well, Sandy, yeah, those were my questions. Where can people find you? They can follow me on Instagram at survivor underscore fitness underscore. They can use Facebook too at Stanton Austin. And I also have TikTok, so they can follow me at TikTok at sugar, S-U-G-A-1990. Thank you so much for speaking with me. I love this conversation. I hope you had fun talking to me, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm asking you very personal things, but I hope it was like fun for you. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I enjoy it. You know, I never really had anyone really question me, so it's kind of (laughs) cool. Thank you for listening to How I Fuck. If you like our podcast, give us a rating, leave us a review, tell a friend, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Also, if you have a micropenis and want to be interviewed for the show anonymously or using your real name, please email us at hello at howifuckpodcast.com. That's how I fuck without the U, so F-C-K. Or you can send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter. Our handles are at How I Fuck Podcast. Again, How I Fuck without the U, so F-C-K. We also have a website, howifuckpodcast.com, again, without the U. There you can find all of our episodes as well as show notes, transcriptions, sources, and photos. How I Fuck is produced by me, Natalie Rivera. I am also the host and creator. Ben Gilles is our audio engineer. Cheyenne Lopez did copy and fact check. Original music by Miguel Gutierrez. You can find more of his music online under the artist name, Mag. Gabriela Sanchez is our social media manager and our sponsorship manager is Muna Kulabali. Thank you and until next time.